Thanks for tuning in to the interviewer with Beef Tech. I have Chris Jordan on the show. Uh, he has a podcast called Dudes and Beer Podcast. Christopher, how you doing? Doing great. How you doing today? I'm doing... I can't believe how good I'm doing. It's ridiculous <laughs> how fucking good I'm doing. That's, um, that's great. That's great. So, uh... How long have you had the show for? I have had, I've got a few different podcasts. I've had uh, Talking Sound is actually my longest running. We are in season six right now. That was really the show that brought me into the podcast world. Uh, but oddly enough, the show that gets probably the most push and the most real work behind it would be my Dudes and Beer podcast. Uh, and that show has really kind of morphed since its beginning into what I would have loved to have had a show about to begin with. It's just really, really hard to get that um, and to reach that kind of guest, that kind of stuff. So uh, now five so, years uh, down the road, it's a little bit different. So the show is about you dudes drinking beer or what's the, what's the show about? Well, that's the thing. The, the show has a very innocuous title, which I think is part of why we have skipped so many radars. Uh, because the, the title is very innocuous, very innocent dudes and beer does just sound like a bunch of dudes sitting around drinking beer. Um, the original concept behind the show is that, uh, America was not formed in a vacuum. It was formed in a bar. It was formed by a bunch of dudes sitting around at a bar, arguing and just talking about religion, politics, economics, science, philosophy of the time, things like that. It was the public house. That's where you went whenever you went to market on Saturday. While, while wife went over there, you went to the pub, you had a drink or two, you talked with your fellow men. Didn't matter if you agreed or disagreed. You shared property lines. You still took care of your neighbor come winter time. What what happened to our society? Why why, uh, why, why that's is, another why that's is, another question, man. And why is it that now uh we can no longer have these conversations? We no longer care genuinely what somebody thinks. We're literally waiting our turn to speak and waiting our turn to convince someone of our paradigm. And that's not conversation. That's not what grows our society. Uh, what grows our society is unabridged, open hearts, open minds conversation. Um, people forget that until 500 years ago, the earth was flat. And to say otherwise, you were the conspiracy theorist. Guess what? I don't like what you say. You're blocked. <laughs> I'm going to block you. Yeah. And and it's really become this odd, funny society. And as, as years have gone on, the original concept was that. Uh, it was three or four people coming into my studio. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an AV technician by trade. So most of the time, if I'm not out on site doing a job, I'm on my way to site or I'm hanging out with people that I'm on job site with. So it was like, dude, I need to get a different perspective on the world. I need to start hanging out with people outside my industry <laughs> and just having a real yeah. social life. So that's where the show started was once a week, me and a few friends would get together. Everybody bring a different six pack of beer and two topics whether it's a news story going on, or we will like 
open-mindedly, no name-calling, discuss what is on our minds about this and why we're thinking it. Pretty cool idea. Um, then we started kind of having a few guests on, things like that. Um, and it was really Dr. John Hall. Uh, before we had Dr. John Hall on, uh, we had... Uh, Mr. Hutchison on who was a who was a former Secret Service fraud agent uh, in the San Antonio area and he came on a couple of times to talk about identity theft things like that and it was great and that kind of opened the door for another San Antonio person who in my broadcast days I had brought onto the show uh, or at least invited onto the show that I was lead one of the lead producers on and his name is Dr. John Hall. He talks about targeted individuals, things like that. It was a topic that had just come up one night in conversation. And I was like, you know what? I happen to have contact information on somebody who talks about stuff like this and who's written a couple of books. I could probably get him on the show. Um, and that was our first real, like, heavy hitter guest where it was like, wow, you know, here's a dude who's written a couple of books on this topic about governments using technology to spy on people, to electronically harass them, um, things like that. And it, that begat a couple of emails that came into my podcast website from targeted individuals thanking, yeah. thanking me for having Dr. John Hall on that, that nobody talks about this. And it was like, wow, wow, like my little show made a difference. My little show impacted somebody like, well, that's the, that's the thing is that now they kind of go backwards a little bit sure here. Has. When you when you started the how long have you been doing podcasts now for uh, by that point? It was maybe three years I had been doing talking sound for. Yeah, that was easily season three of Talking Sound, season two, two and a half. Uh, I don't really do seasons with dudes and beer. We're almost to episode 300 now, though, um, and release every Tuesday. So that gives you some idea. That's been. Yeah. So, I mean, was what was your what was your motivation about uh, like the original being inspired about doing a podcast? What was the. What was your feeling about that? How did you want to get going? Well, I, I honestly, uh, my wife has a concept of 18 years in life and that every 18 years, your life just kind of diverges, you know, and you, yeah. you have this major life choice of what to do in your life. Um, I just spent time on broadcast. I'd really switched my world from doing rock and roll engineering and doing large scale rock and roll venue shows, things like that, touring shows to being a full-time corporate engineer and, you know, making better money, doing a whole lot less work, uh, doing large scale corporate events, things like that. Um, yeah. and she was like, what do you, now that you're off broadcast, what do you, what do you see yourself doing? Um, and that's when talking sound really came about because it was, it was my passion for teaching and for this field of audio engineering that really started my path to podcasting. It was like, if I'm going to do anything right now, it, I'm coming up on 40 and it's my turn now. By the way, happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Thank you. 
Yeah. And you you like bacon, I right? I love bacon. I, yeah. I, you know it's hardcore when you have a bacon budget in your house. Bacon, what do you mean by that? I, there is a bacon budget. Like, there is an amount of money budgeted for bacon in my household. Well, hopefully it's a good budget. <laughs> oh, because... it's a damn good budget. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sweet. I, I, That's the way you got to, you know. I'm not going to lie. I am I am a swine fiend. I love, I love pork. Um, but yeah, me too. It was my love of this industry that really brought me to the world of podcasting, and the fact that at at going on forty, um, and being almost twenty years in the industry, it was my turn to bring up the next rung of engineers. You know, the guys who come up and are like, "Wow, man, how'd you learn to do that? Or how'd you even get into this field?" Like. It's my turn now. Those it's like now it's me that people are coming to um, after 20 years in the industry and asking the question of how did you get into this? Like, I want to do that. Um, and I really wanted to provide them a clear path with not only instruction, but pitfalls along the way from artists, engineers, things like that. And what's interesting is through talking sound, it really has built this common story uh and it's really my uh, the same way that you just asked me how i got into podcasting i normally ask people you know like what what brought you to be an audio engineer or a monitor engineer or you know a film director things like that and it's always the most common story of it was just something i was interested in and i happened across somebody like i interviewed one of the biggest names in uh in special effects makeup and he literally answered an ad in fangoria magazine for a contest like that that's what got him into it well i mean you know i have to say people like talking about their well, self sure. <laughs> i mean even you know even if you're you know even if they are famous yeah item you'd be surprised you know oh oh absolutely number one folks out there if you are uh, an aspiring podcaster or a podcaster that's having trouble getting guests um go to people that you are raving fans of seriously um because that translates to everybody man whether and and i mean like authors musicians everybody um if you come to them and respectfully say that their work has meant something to you and has changed you in some way or changed your paradigm or the way that you think and that you would like to share that with a larger audience, you'd be surprised how willing most people are to come on for 20, 30 minutes and talk about it. You know, yeah, and that was, that was really they, the preset behind talking sound was showing people that entry barrier into an industry, you know, really kind of trying to remove that veil and show them like, Hey man, go up and ask the question. Like you're not going to get the date with the girl. If you just sit there at the bar and go, man, she's pretty. You should go up and ask her if she'd like well, to go out. You could have a lot of fun in the you shower could, when you get but, home. You know, your chances of actually meeting the girl or at least knowing her name or something are much better. If you go up and just go, Hey, how you doing? Uh, and give it a shot. You know, you, uh, the worst you're going to hear is no. 
You'd be like, hey, how you doing? Do you uh, do you like uh, yeah. chicken and bacon? Yeah. You know, man, I, I do. Killer chicken. And you want to get? Yesterday. You'd be Absolutely. surprised. Absolutely, and it really is that just taking the step. Walk up to the sound guy. You know, don't bother him while he's working. But if you see him just hanging out for a minute, walk up, ask him a question. You know, um, it. it if he tells you to fuck off, he's an yeah, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't need to talk to him anymore. Yeah, go, go to, to another guy. guy yeah. You know, <laughs> but it, it really is a organic process, and I find that most people that do podcasting. Uh, it's normally because they are extraordinarily passionate about a topic. Uh, it's normally a hobby that they have or something along the lines of their career, or I've, there are a lot of parenting podcasts picking up now. Um, I have enjoyed podcasting so much that over my six years, I have actively built a podcast network. Uh, for podcasters, I've actually gone through and used my years of broadcast engineering knowledge as well as production and marketing, things like that, and helped start up uh, Podcast Cadet, which is like a one-on-one -on -one consultation service for people. Um, it's, it's really that much of a changing realm where everybody, yeah. everybody has the Definitely. opportunity now. And it's pretty incredible. Yeah. It is. It's a lot of fun. I've been having fun. I've been doing it now for 12 oh, days. Wow. It's been awesome. Wow. So I'm I am, I am so, high um, up in the rungs then. Glad to hear it. <laughs> um, let me ask you a question sure, here. Um, how do you prepare for a show? Do you do some yoga? Do you do some research? What's your what's your routine? Um, a lot of that depends on the guest, quite honestly. There are some guests like Dr. John Hall now has got it's got to be close to two handfuls of shows he's been on. Um, like I don't we text back and forth. We're now like me and my guest are now like good, good friends. Same thing with uh, Mike Turber. Quite a few of my guests have now become sources for me where whenever they hear something uh, like Mike Turber is involved in a few intelligence circles. So whenever he hears something, he kind of sneaks it my way sometimes. And he's like, Hey, you know, like check this out, you know, just, just a little tip. You may want to start digging into this. And it's like, Ooh, okay. Um, and it's like some innocuous news article. That's like the only news article out there about something. But once you start digging into it, it's like, Ooh, look at all these white papers. Look at like look at all these PDF research and stuff that's attached to this. Like, ooh, epic. Because nobody ever reads footnotes. But boy, howdy, when you start digging into footnotes and you start digging into sources and uh so it, it really depends on the guest. Guys like that, <clears throat> there are some times where um we're gonna we're gonna cover something really hardcore and deep. And uh I'll spend days literally uh like when i had i recently had bingo minerva from uh lost gold of world war ii on the history channel on the show uh oh that was wow. great that was a super fun interview and he tripped out when i told him that not only did i go by season one and two of lost gold of world war ii on amazon but i watched them both twice before I interviewed him. And he was like, holy, holy wow. crap. He was like, that's, <laughs> he's like, that is, that's a lot. You did that in one week. I was like, yep. 
I just sat out in the living room coding my websites with that on in the background. And whenever things would happen, I had my whiteboard next to me and I'd just take notes per episode. And then I'd take a picture of those notes while the thing was changing and then erase my whiteboard and get it ready for the next episode in the background. Um, and it was just a constant series of questions that got filtered down into one document that it was like, okay, this is the base of the show. This is the skeleton. It kind of becomes, uh, really, I use that old school, um, like research writing format that they give you in high school where it's like, build your skeleton. And it's like, you need, you need topic thesis, body, body conclusion. Boom. And I'll normally have something like that, like on a piece of paper or a whiteboard next to me. Uh, if it's, especially if it's a new guest, like a good two or three topics of theirs that I want to springboard through. If we hit them, we hit them. If we don't, okay, hopefully they enjoyed their time and they'll come back again. But yeah, it's, it's different for each guest there. There really is now that I've been doing it this long. Um, there is some fly by the seat, most definitely. Uh, but that's just because I, I come from a live broadcast background for me. Uh, that's the fun that that's the entire fun of it is to just have a few notes in front of me and it's going to be an organic conversation just like this is where, you know, let, let's just see where the rabbit hole takes us as we talk about a topic, you know, but it's more, it, I think it's when you, as far as what I, I mean, I'm only 12 days in, sure so no. <laughs> give me a break here. Um, it just seems like um, if you force it, it doesn't sound as good. If you're really yeah. kind of, I don't know well, about your experience. Again, but. Most definitely. And there, there's script podcast things like that uh there are definite calls for that like i wouldn't have a script writing workshop at podcast cadet for writing scripts for a podcast if it wasn't necessary for some formats uh there's there's definitely though um something to behoove you in like i said having that skeleton in front of you uh if anything it's going to be three or four questions that you may ask the guest other than like, how did you get into what you're doing? You know, like a couple of specific questions. If you find out like they wrote a book at one point, you know, um, you want to mention the title of that book to them. Uh, number one, it shows you've done a little bit of research into them. Uh, guests love it whenever you do research into them. Just so you know, out there, folks, they, they yeah. really do. I, <laughs> so, every podcasters are listening to this audience. Uh, oh, take yeah. some notes. I, yeah, uh, it's got some good ideas here. Well, it, good experience. it really is. I mean, there's there's one thing to an organic conversation, most definitely. But it, if you're not used to microphones and being able to have a conversation without having somebody directly in front of you. You know, uh, not everybody is comfortable with that. A lot of people have to be in the same room to be comfortable with somebody that they're talking with or at least see their face. So uh, that can be a little bit funny. I've even had a few guests that I contacted uh, that 
I've read their research. Like, I, there are some that are my friends on LinkedIn that are like USAF researchers and things like that. And it's like, dude, you're into you're into quantum mechanics and building propulsion systems for satellites. I want to have you on my show. Like, that is the coolest topic in the world. I want to talk about future propulsion systems, that kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, you know, like, I'm just I'm just not an interesting conversation. And it's like, dude, did you not hear how excited I just was to talk about interstellar propulsion? How is that not an interesting? <laughs> I'm sorry if you don't think it's well, interesting, but I think it's fascinating. <laughs> I think it's fascinating too. I but think you get a lot of audience. Absolutely, on that, it's, on that it's show. funny though how sometimes the guest that you're inviting themselves is literally so humble that they don't see themselves as guest worthy. They're like, no, no, like, no, I, I can't. Um, I've had, I, I had one guest who shall remain nameless that um, told me he would not come on my show because of his involvement in the UFO field for over 30 years. A pretty prominent guy uh, started a huge uh, movement video wise in this world and in the world of disclosure and was really uh, seminal in getting a lot of things on the major platforms. And whenever I invited him, he was like, yeah, I don't do appearances anymore. It's really more for my family's safety. And I was like, wow, that's kind of, it that's was kind like, of weird. That's scary, man. <laughs> but it's it's really wild just to see where things can take you if you're willing to go along for the ride. Like I said, with Dudes and Beer, it's been interesting to get it to the point it is now where it's me and a guest and maybe a few questions from the audience who have, you know, called into our Google number, stuff like that. We have like a Google voice number on our website where if you have a question for an upcoming guest or topic, you can just call up and leave your question. And we use it on things like that. So, you know, if you're not able to be tuned in live on Facebook while we're doing it and type in a question or something, you can still leave a question and we play it live on air, just like Casey Kasem. Uh, It's pretty cool. But. Oh, Casey Kasem. Oh, uh, yeah. (laughs) That guy, that guy is. uh, Yes. Did he die? He did. He passed a few years ago, sadly. Yeah, Ryan Seacrest yeah. took his place at New Year's Eve, and it has not been the same since. <laughs> not Seacrest. Seacrest mm-hmm. out. I remember yeah. that whole thing. Yeah. So, so, so I guess you're really into I'm, UFOs. Did I'm you have any experiences? A lot of fringe topics. Um, most of most of my adult life has been just casually researching this stuff i spent a little while in like local mainstream media when i lived in when i lived up north uh doing like local broadcasts that kind of stuff and then when i moved here to austin worked worked in alternative media um with a pretty well-known agency here in town that I'm very glad I was separated with before things went down the way they did. Um, who, because of NDAs, I will not name. Uh, I still have two years left on a non-disclosure agreement. So, uh, 
But just to let you know, it was a news organi- news organization that was deplatformed on almost everything except for their own website. So uh, if, if you're an Internet reader out there, that'll probably give you enough information to figure out what war it was a part of. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, through my through my interactions with media and things like that, um, for me, it's just been the fact of there's a lot out there and there is a lot that does not get covered. Uh, there's a lot that gets covered in like a source or two daily and then just gets paved over by the rest of the news cycle. And what's interesting is that those little tidbits that pop up that are there like you, but you literally got to be reading news 24 seven to catch them. And to know. Well, that's the thing. That's, that's, that's kind of what's happening nowadays. It's like, there's so much false media out there it's hard to hard to get to the truth even mainstream oh. media well like, and and that's the know. funny thing though whenever you whenever you go and tell people like um prime exam i'm gonna i'm gonna put on my dudes and beer hat here uh there there used to be a law there still is a law called the smith munt act and it was passed after world war one or world war two rather uh, and it was basically the law that prevented the U.S. government from creating propaganda and disseminating it to the American people. Very important. Um, this was what set up for the media as we know it to be a fact-finding organization, where in the tradition of Edward R. Murrow, it's like, here's just the facts. Now, you make up your opinion. We aren't going to give you ours. We're going to give you no shade of our opinion. We're just going to give you the facts. And then we're going to let you form your own opinion from that. You know, pretty logical. Uh, and it was the smith Munt Act that kind of made that so. Um, now, granted, it didn't prevent punditry, things like that. But what it did specifically prevent was the federal government from being able to tell the news what to say. Uh, or be able to control what the news is able to put out now in 2012 the beautiful ndaa the national defense authorization act that happens every year uh where you know we fund billions of dollars into black programs things like that um well in 2012 part of the ndaa was also the smith modernization act and in the smith modernization act those rules were stricken So the government is now fully allowed to tell the media what to say. The government is also allowed to censor what the media says. It sounds a little like China, man. And to know that the president at the time was actively, and you can look it up, look up, you know, President of Tips putting FCC regulators into newsrooms. They literally tried putting FCC regulators into newsrooms to quote make sure approved messages were going out it's like what what the white house has to approve what we're saying what is that that's kind of against the fourth estate uh and and then i saw things like the same year in 2012 the hundred mile border rule going into effect uh that 
once again, added on, added on to legislation, passed with it. But few people know the fact that within any uh, border, land or sea, or port of entry within 100 miles of the outside of the United States. So imagine just a nice thick border going from the edge of the United States 100 miles inland. Any port of entry or border land or sea within that area, your Fourth Amendment rights are suspended. You are liable to illegal search and seizure and indefinite detention right here in America. Like you're starting to scare me, man. I try not to think about these things. I try to keep it dumb. I know. I just want to dumb it up and just just walk around. When you start looking at what's happening actively right now, um, and I'm no fan of people that are in right now, believe me. But when you start looking at what is happening right now, it's like you know those things are perfectly legal, and they're perfectly legal due to the laws that you allowed to pass in 2012. So. That yeah. that's the it's, scary thing is that it it really scary. is a long play game, uh, and that's why the president, when it comes to disclosure, when it comes to top secret status, things like that, he is literally considered a quote temporary employee. He does not have the longevity of office to have clearance for a lot of those programs, even though he's the president. Yeah, so. It's interesting to know that these things are in place, that these things are in play. And once once you start, it was really a burden of knowledge. Like, it was there. I, I can't just unsee it. I can't not look at it. You know, like every time I see somebody mention something on Facebook, all I do is throw up the article from the NAACP about, <laughs> like, here, you know, <laughs> Here's lawyers fighting against the 100-mile rule that's still in effect. You want to know why so many things are happening? There you have it. Uh, and why they can keep happening. Tell your congressman. Get rid of them. Um, or get rid of your congressman because they voted for it. <laughs> but it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> well, that's, that's a, yeah. It really, Voting, does, it really uh, yeah. does become that burden of knowledge at some point um, that this stuff is out there. And most people aren't don't even know to dig for it. Don't even think to dig for it. Don't know the other. It, it, it takes does. so much work it to does. dig. It's people don't like yeah. digging a ditch. Why would they, Why they want to dig, dig for information? For that crap, you know, I know. I mean? it's it's horrible. Yeah, it's it's really hard to get yeah. to it. I mean, I have to say, you, you have do. to really be a digger. You do. You to do. find the truth. And, it's, it's you know, annoying. like I, I oh, have sure. an RSS reader on my phone. I am I'm inundated by news constantly. Like it's it's been awesome to see over the last five years, the dudes and beer group on Facebook grow to the point where it is where now people share articles themselves. Uh, it got to where whenever I would see uh, other technicians across the country that I knew that listened to my podcast and stuff, they'd be like, dude, I don't even follow news sources anymore. I just come to, I just I just wake up and look at my dudes and beer Facebook page. Cause that's all I do on the Facebook page is sit or Facebook group is post articles. 
That's probably the worst thing to do is look at news well, on well, Facebook. The thing I have is, to though, say, our group is there for an open-ended conversation. We're there to post things from all sides, yeah. and like that's in the group rules. There's there's no name calling allowed. Like we can let's not get into petty fights here. That's not what this is about. Um, I I post things. Yeah, well, that's that's dudes and beer. What's the name of the group? Super, dudes and beer. That's simple, the name of the group. Too. Okay. Uh, but that's just it. It's it's all about open conversation. And if we aren't willing to have that open conversation, if we aren't willing to talk with each other, the man, we're just going to we're just going to stymie and die. It's going to be it's going to be like the finger that you tied the ribbon too tight on and just never bothered to take it off. Eventually, you'll have a nub. Like so. Yeah. Go ahead. That brings me to my next question. What's the What's the craziest um, podcast you ever did? Just craziest podcast yeah. I ever did happened about two months ago, uh, when when everything was going on in Minnesota. I was contacted mm. through one of my intelligence contacts uh, with a couple of people who are members of Anonymous. And they okay, they yeah. contacted like me guys. because kind of... they had heard the show uh, through one of my guests and were like, this dude is all about truth. He will not color our angle. He will not color what we're trying to say. And this granted, this was no interview because Anonymous doesn't grant interviews. They were kind enough to answer a couple of questions. Um, but it was really more a turning over of my platform to them uh, to talk about their hack of the Minneapolis police department with everything that happened in the wake of George yeah. Floyd and all that. So that was, that was probably one of the most mind numbing experiences, like 20 minutes before we went on air, my, my site came under active DDoS attack. Like, uh, DDoS attack is like where it's distributed denial of service. And basically what it is, you hear it a lot. Like it happened to Corey Feldman whenever he tried putting his movie out. Basically what happens is people that don't want you to have the information start using servers all over the world to multi dial into your website through different nodes. And they start flooding your traffic with bots mm. that basically flood flood your system with so much traffic that it shuts down the service. So, I yeah, see. and it's like it says, distributed denial. That's crazy. Did you have anything uh, That else was pretty wild. It was pretty cool to have, like, a member of Anonymous in the back. Like, whenever I told them it was happening, they were like, yeah, okay, this is pretty frequent, you know, so tell you what, I'm going to get a hold of, and I'm not going to say the guy's name. It ended in fire, but they all have their code names. And he's like, I'm going to get a hold of our member so-and-so. Uh, give him give him your access stuff, and and uh, we will keep an eye on everything. And they were literally like swatting flies the whole time, like keeping, keeping hackers at bay away from my website. It was like, what is this? Like, <laughs> it was crazy. Do you think the anonymous... People, do you think they had anything to do with some of the rioting? I, I don't think so. 
I don't think so. Most of that was already taking place whenever we were doing our episode. Theirs was more... What they did was hack into the Minneapolis Police Department to get dirt on the Minneapolis Police Department to force the hand of the DA and Minneapolis PD to file charges against the police. Because they were at Mm. the time using their protective status the way that they do, where it's like, well, they're police officers, they have to go through a different investigation system, everything else. They're like, no, this was murder live on tape. Like, they killed the man. He's dead. Why are there no charges filed yet? And and that's what they did was they went, hacked them, and basically said, we have so much dirt on you and the horrible things you've done. If you don't file charges within the next 24 hours, the world will know. And within 24 hours, charges were Well, I'm glad they're out there. I mean, Uh, I'm glad they're out there. Well, um, they're more, they're more information. Yeah, they're very much um, moral hacking is, is what a lot of people call it. Um, Where instead of trying to, they aren't, they aren't hacking in the systems to get people's private data. They aren't hacking in to get user emails. They aren't hacking in to hurt people. What they're doing is hacking into major systems of corporations, banks, governments, government entities, things like that, in order to gather dirt on them to say, hey, fix what you're doing in the world or we'll fix you. <laughs> well, that's, I'm kind of glad they're out yeah, there. And yeah, it really is away, like you know this I mean? kind of Robin Hood digital vigilante concept of like, we're here to make sure that you are not abusing the people of the world. Stop doing it. It's almost, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I grew up in the eighties and I, it feel, it felt a lot safer with the, like the, the mob, <laughs> yeah, out yeah, there, right? the, the Italian mob, because they like, you know, if someone fucked up, they yeah. would go there and, and crack a skull, you know? It, it's like they're the other yeah. enforcer besides well, It's like the you hear in all the mob know, movies so. where it's like, they're going to come and spill blood on my street? I don't think so. That's my street. You know, you, you, somebody's going to spill blood on that street, it'll be me. Thank you very much. You know? <laughs> the good old days. Fucking know, who would right? think the mob was the good old days? <laughs> but it's... It, it's been a wild ride. It really has for the last six years to see things grow, see things move, see things flex, even within the podcast industry itself. Like right now, uh, you're on the podcast groups. I know I've seen your name in a couple of them. Like the, the big, the big struggle right now is all the people who have music podcasts out there, uh, getting hit with compliance issues. And that's just one of those, like, it's going to happen eventually. Um, unfortunately right now, broadcast is clamoring to catch up with us. We've stolen their audience. They finally realized it. And there's, they, they don't want you to do well. Yeah. The force the, the, that someone is. It's so hard to do anything you like to do. It's tough. They just don't want you to do it. And you have to just <laughs> well, bulldoze yeah, right through yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, this you was know? really, this, 
Go ahead. Go, no, no, go ahead. Next go ahead. Topic. Sorry to interrupt you. Killdozer. Do you remember this Killdozer thing? And I think it was in Denver. Do you ever see that article? Yeah. Where this guy built a, he took a a, a, a bulldozer and made it into a tank. Yeah. And he went on a rampage, and he and you know he got, got a whole bunch of fans and and uh, a lot of people you know respected yeah, this guy Heemeyer. and thought he was a hero. You know, that's the Marvin kind of Hemeyer. That what's that? Yeah, that's right. And um that's you know, when you have a hero like that, you know there's some kind of someone or the government's trying to not make you get ahead. And that's I think that's why you know a lot of people sure looked up sure. This guy. And I mean uh, here here in Austin we had our we had our own 911 uh all of a, all of about 10 years ago there was a guy that flew his private airplane into the IRS building here in Austin and that was there oh, were I remember people hearing about that all over the place that were like yeah good for you buddy you know and yeah that's it, that's just it and that that's a lot of what dudes and beer tries to focus on is the the reforming of a path of empathy within our society uh we we have really and if you go through and start looking at things uh we have really become a divisive society in and of ourselves we have we have really made it to where it truly is an us versus them mentality and the the danger behind that yeah. is seeing them and the person next to you uh and and it's a it it really is a dehumanizing mentality to have uh the the concept of because somebody wears this hat i'm going to hate them okay well you don't know them like that to me that makes no sense it's a, it's a, it's it's a sick time right now, and it, yeah. a lot of people are amped well, up about what's yeah, happening. With precisely, this like I, I have a friend of mine who is actually judge of elections in his county in Pennsylvania, and we were talking the other day, and he was like, "Man, I can't wait for this election to be done so the fear can be over." And I was like, uh, "Make no mistake, the fear is at the exact level that they want it to be, like when." When we're afraid as a society, that's when we are the most controllable. Just psychologically, uh, yeah. that's when you're at your most vulnerable. Um, fear is a great thing. It's a, it's that flight and re- fight and flight response that we have from when we avoided woolly mammoths, you know, and saber two tigers in the wild. Um, it kept us alert. It kept us alive. But the problem is staying in a state of fight or flight eventually puts you at a state of disadvantage uh, and eventually puts you at a state of being a mentally and spiritually worn down. Uh, and once you're there, you're susceptible. You're susceptible to messages. Uh, you're much more likely to just snap on somebody for what they say or think than you are to stop, give pause to it, give it credence because that's what somebody believes. Um, and yeah, it's, it's much easier to control. So I was like, I don't, I don't think the fear will be gone. 
Um, it will. It's literally just a fear that will continue because uh, either we have the same guy in charge or we have this new guy in charge that we're supposed to be afraid of. <laughs> On that note, go ahead, man. Uh, let me ask you one last question. Anything that you're excited about uh, with your show? Any guests that oh, are coming man, up I've, that you want to talk about? Dudes and Beer always has a good lineup of people coming up. Uh, right now, we've got a stellar-looking September. Um, after I get off the phone with you, I'm actually getting ready to do an interview with Mike DeMonte about the book uh, Punk Rock UFOs. Uh, that that should be nice. That oh, should be wow. nice that's cool. Two things I yeah, like. I like great. punk rockers. I like book, UFOs. Uh, True Believers a few years ago. Punk Rock and UFOs is kind of his brand. It's punkrockandufos.com. Go check him out. Uh, I get paid nothing by him, folks. It's just an endorsement for one of my guests. He's got cool stuff out there. He's doing great things. He's an investigative journalist. Uh, all kinds of stuff. Loves punk rock. Has a history in it. Um, and loves UFOs, and I guess just a few years ago went down the uh, unknown rabbit hole and started getting into cryptids and all kinds of stuff, and this just became an all-consuming passion for him. So, yeah, we're going to be having him on the show. We will be having Melissa Monte, uh, who has one of the largest like self-help positivity podcasts out there on to talk about just trying to stay positive during this time of COVID, you know, during this time of just utter negativity and fear, uh, trying to stay positive, trying to remember good things, trying to, you know, keep yourself focused on good energy. And then we'll be having after that, uh, I know we have Graham Phillips on from the UK to talk about his hunt for the staff of Moses. Um, yeah, yeah, great, great September, great That's September. Great. That's uh, great we have Sev, Sev talk, come on to talk about interdimensional communication and connecting with the source, all kinds of fun stuff. So, yeah, it's great. That's uh, people that are tuning into this show. Check thank out his you, show. Man. It sounds like it's going to be a yes. good lineup coming through. Um, I want to thank you, uh, um, Mr. Jordan, for uh, coming on the show. Absolutely. Really it was super it. fun. I always love good conversations with, with good people. So anytime you want, feel free to reach out, man. If I got the time, I'll gladly guest. Thanks for tuning in to the interviewer. My name is Beef Tech. You could email me if you have any questions or if you want to be on the show. The interviewer with Beef Tech at gmail.com. Till next time.